Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. If you're sitting there thinking, wow, it would be really cool if we could gather more regularly as a church to pray, I have good news for you. Um, we have been thinking about how we can bring our church together, and one of the fears is when you have a centralized prayer meeting in something like Hoffman Estates, people from Naperville and Northbrook and Crystal Lake have such a huge distance to travel. And uh, we know we need to pray. We feel guilty that we don't pray, or we feel guilty that all we do is pray about ourselves and not about other people and the church. So um, we are trying to respond to that. And so starting next week, we're going to be having geographic prayer meetings, which means, as we understand Scripture, where Paul writes, you know, I planted, Apollos watered, but God causes the growth. We recognize that the only way for us to grow as a church spiritually, just not in numbers, but just to see God doing something in our lives, changing us, changing our community, the places that we go, we need to gather to pray together for each other, more than what we do in community groups, but for the church as a whole and and our spiritual health. So we're going to encourage you. We're going to blast out and tell you where it is, and and we're going to invite you to come to all of those. If you live in Chicago and you want to drive all the way out to Bartlett for the prayer meeting, you're more than welcome to do so if you want to visit one. So we're going to have one every week, but just in different places in an area for you to gather to make it a lot easier for you. If you have any questions about that, please ask me. But we really believe that we need to keep praying, especially as we prepare for next year and uh, the many years to come that we have together as a church family. Fair enough? All right, excellent. So if you're in Luke, let's turn to verses 8 through 18. I'll read those for us, and uh, then we'll talk about peace. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly... A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I don't know about you, but I long for peace. I don't know how many of you driving here today experienced anything but peace. And as I was driving here, because my wife went early for uh, praise team and, and getting the kids ready, and our, our youngest one who has like time-lapse ideas of where we need to be and getting on time and all the tension that rises. Come on, hurry up. I'm going to be late. Hurry up. I'm going to be late. And uh, then to get in the car. And I'm in the car and I'm thinking, I wonder when Jesus went to the synagogue, if he was always in a hurry. And I figured, no, he probably was never in a hurry. 
And so it made me even feel a little bit more of a longing for this sort of peace. Wouldn't it be nice just to go to worship with an attitude of peace even before you get here? How many of you had arguments with somebody in your family before you? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to call anybody out. But, you know, you want, you want peace, right? You want to be able to, to experience real life peace. I long for peace. I, I long for peace in my circumstances. Uh, I long for a peace that says those college loans that are now coming due would be erased so that there would be peace. I, I long for peace in the midst of my fears, the things that I'm afraid of, the concerns that I have. I long for peace in the midst of my failures. When I think about the things I'd have done as a father and as a parent, and I, I wonder if they're going to end up on the couch one day with a psychiatrist going, this is what my dad did to me. I long for peace in the midst of those fears. I long for peace in the midst of relationships. You know, my wife argued maybe once every 10 years, but those, it's a tough thing. I long... Okay, you know, I'm kidding. But I long for peace in relationships. I, I long, I'd love to go home and have the kids greet me and say, Dad, it's so wonderful to have you here. Let, let's sit down here, relax. We'll get you something to drink. I long for that sort of peace. I long for the peace where you don't have to yell at your kids, which I do infrequently every hour. And uh, just to get them moving and, and listening and hearing and wondering why they're so deaf. I, I was thinking this day, I was thinking this week as I thought about peace and, and I thought, you know, when I heard my parents say for the millionth time when they were telling me to do something, and I would think to myself, boy, that really is an exaggeration. Now that I'm a parent, I think when I say for the millionth time, I'm underestimating how many times I've actually told them to do something. I long for peace. That's trivia stuff, but I really long for peace in every fiber of my being, in everything that I have and in everything that I do. I long for peace. And I would imagine you're like that. So what is peace? Look at verses 13 and 14 here in Luke chapter 2. It says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. I like this word peace. In the Hebrew it means shalom. And in the Greek the idea is irene or irene. I love the name Irene. Uh, Kaylee's middle name is Irene. One of the first girls I had a crush on way back, like 45 years ago, her name was Irene. I just like the name Irene because it means peace. There's something really great about the idea of peace. But I found something interesting. As I was studying this week, every commentator seemed to avoid the idea of what is this peace that the angels are talking about. What is peace? Peace is more than an idea or an ideal. Like when we think about right now uh, as a nation, in a sense, even though we are at war, in the war of terror, basically in terms of nations, we are at peace. Even though you might look at Russia, we can say we are at peace with them. There is no open conflict. There is no war. Now, there may be stuff happening behind the scenes, but there's no declared war. We would say that is peace. That's an idea of what peace is. But it's more than that. It's not just the absence of conflict. Because you can have no conflict but still not have peace. The kind of peace that's talked about here in Luke chapter 2. And what I mean is this. You and your spouse may never argue. You may never have conflict whatsoever. But that doesn't mean that you have peace. What it really means is that you have no conflict. Because you may not be arguing, but you're not talking either. And you're not growing in the depth of your love. 
what peace means, the shalom, is the way things ought to be. It ought to be this way. So when you think of peace, so the couple that does not argue true peace the way it ought to be, yes, there should be no conflict, but yes, there should also be lots of romance. Peace says this is the way it ought to be. So when the angels are saying that on earth peace has come to men on whom God's favor rests, what he's saying is this is the beginning of how peace should be, a peace that brings a paradise, a utopia, the way God think, God meant things to be. That's the peace that we're looking at. It's, it's a fuller meaning of what this really means. It's a peace that you find in marriage when a couple's uh, continuing to fall in love with each other, even after 30, 40, 50, or 60 years of marriage. It's the peace where kids actually listen to what you say and trust you and respect you. It's a peace when you look at your finances and go, we are drowning in debt. Peace, the way it ought to be, is that there is no debt and that you make money hand over fist, money beyond your wildest imagination, and then give it to someone else, not keep it for yourself. But that's the sort of peace that's being talked about here because that is the way things ought to be. Peace, your health, no illness, no sickness, no death. That is the intent of God. Peace, this is how it ought to be. But we live in a world where there is no peace, right? Peace is not New York City and what's happening there. Peace is not Ferguson and what's happening there. Peace that is talked about here is not about divorce. It is not about affairs. It is not about addiction. It is not about death. It is not about the family mess that we experience on a regular basis. What is this peace that the angel has announced? It is this kind of peace, and it's all over scriptures you see this. To the woman with the bleeding condition, when Jesus says, go in peace, what he's saying is, this is how it ought to be. You are healed. When the prostitute is washing his feet, weeping, using her hair, Jesus says, go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. This is how it ought to be. To the Jew and to the Gentile who are in conflict, Jesus says, I am peace, and I bring two and make them one. To the white man, to the black man, to the yellow man, to the brown man, to the red man, all in Christ, one. This is how it ought to be. That is peace. To the sinner, there is peace found in salvation. To the evil one, peace means his defeat. To the trouble, peace means God's presence. And to all of creation, peace means recreation. How ought it to be? A world that is like paradise. And so when the angels here announce that earth has received peace, it is the beginning of what God tends to make and what it will in the end ought to be. This is how it ought to be. Let's go to the next slide. Peace. God brings it. Let's look at verses 8 through 12. It reads this way. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you great news, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Peace. God brings it. Now, I know if you've been raised in church for ages, your answer is like, 
duh. We know that God brings peace. But even though we know that, do you really know that God brings peace to make things as they ought to be? Then in turn, our response to the peace that he gives us is to give that peace to others. Do you really know the depths of that peace? So I thought about how can I portray this? Now, I've shared with you before, um, I have issues with road rage. Now, mind you, I'm not running people off the road. Um, I don't flip people off. So don't listen to anything like this. I'm some crazy maniac. This is all internal. It all happens inside of me. It's not outwardly expressed. If you want to pray for me, please do. But it doesn't come out, at least not yet. And I hope it never does. Probably because I'm scared that the other guy's going to be bigger than me. But that's another story. Think about this. How ought it to be? Let me ask you this question before we get on that. Think of the last person who offended you, and how did you react? Think of the last person who offended you, and how did you react? Did you react in a gospel manner? Did you react in a gospel manner? And what I mean by that is, did you react in a way that you ought to react, which is a way that God would react if someone has offended him? Now, how did God react when we offended him? He invaded our world. He didn't stand up in heaven and say, there are many ways in which I could do this. And I would imagine as God, he can do whatever he wants in order to bring salvation to people. But rather than saying, let's sit back, receive worship, and watch how this plays out, what he said was, we shall invade this situation where people are not seeking us, and we will bring a sense of love and peace and salvation to these people whom we expect many of us or will reject, reject us. Many of them will reject us. That's gospel reaction. What that means is that person who offended you, your reaction should be something like this. Oh, you offended me. Well, let me invade your situation, not to punch you, but to bless you. That's the gospel. That's hard. So think about my road rage, okay? So when somebody cuts me off, my road rage response is wrong. My gospel response should be this, to follow that person home Get out of the car and say, you offended me, but you know what? I want to bless you. The next time you need gas, I want to go and pay for that gas. How do you think someone's going to respond? I mean, even with gas prices going down, somebody's like, whoa, you're freaky, man. That's a little too scary for me, right? But that's what gospel does. Gospel invades rejection and pursues that rejection and says, I love you and I will bless you. Now, whether the person rejects or not is not the gospel issue. The gospel issue is the fact that God has invaded. God brings peace. God said, here is the prince of peace, my son. He is invading your world to bring you peace. Whether you reject him or not does not matter, but he has come to bring peace. God brings that peace absolutely ridiculous when you think about it that god would spend so much time and energy and effort and give everything that he has in order to bring peace to people who will reject it that's why god brings the peace because we do not seek this peace we want the peace that makes everything good for us that is not how it ought to be how it ought to be is that we receive god's blessing of peace and pass that peace on to other people. God brings that peace, like this little baby invading our world and saying, here is the beginning that you might see as to how this ought to be, how life ought to be, how the future ought to be, how heaven is. 
That's gospel. That's why God brings it. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says that we have peace with God because of Jesus. We have peace with God. We were his enemies, dead in transgression and sin. And gospel says that no matter what you have done, I love you. I will invade your world. I will let you know that I love you. I will let you know that I am here. And I will bless you. That is gospel. That is gospel. That's how it is meant to be. But here's the interesting thing. Gospel is not intended to be just a personal thing. It's intended to be a corporate thing. You know, when Jesus says, let your light shine before the world, he doesn't say, let your light shine in your house, right? He says, don't put any lampshade over that and say, hey, that's really great. Only person that can see the light is me. Man, it's like being in a closet going, Dude, it is so bright in here with this massive flashlight that I have. This is excellent. This is fantastic. That's ridiculous. Who sits in a closet with a light on? Right? That's what Jesus is saying. That's why some people, you know, that's kind of, I I wonder, I might not be right, and Jesus might get to heaven and tell me that I'm wrong, but I wonder if that's his sense of humor. Hey, those of you who follow me, go sit in a closet and turn the light on and go, hallelujah, praise the Lord, this is great. No, he says, no, Get out of the closet and show the world that light. It is not just about you and peace, but the peace you've given and that you pass on to people that they might see your father and glorify him in the end. And ultimately, salvation is also about all of creation. It might not be a big thing. You know, that global warming thing where people go, you know, as Christians, it seems like the right wing is like, no, 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 it's not global warming. That's not the issue. This is God's world and we take care of it, and we bring peace to it by taking care of it. Salvation is so much bigger than just a personal thing. The peace that God is talking about here is this is how things ought to be. It doesn't say this is how your life ought to be, but how the world ought to be in its many various layers. Peace. Jesus comes to bring peace. But let's move on, a third thing. peace we are to proclaim it verses 17 and 18 says this when they had seen the baby jesus they spread the warning the the, excuse me the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them let's think about the shepherds here for a minute the shepherds have heard a message they've been visited by the angels and the angels say hey dudes listen that peace that the Jewish nation has been looking for, the way it ought to be, the way they're free to worship God in their own nation and experience God instead of being under the boot, the heavy boot of the Roman foot. And, and now they have this opportunity because they hear this baby has come. And so the shepherds are excited and they, and they go and they check out the baby and they see all of these things. And then they leave and they proclaim this. I think they're walking through the streets and they're saying, the Christ has come. Peace has come. And people have probably some of you like, yeah, that's really cool. That's really interesting. But I thought about the shepherds a little bit, and I wonder, what are they really thinking? If I'm a shepherd, and whether they're 20 years old or 25 years old, not having that much long of a lifespan, maybe 35, 40 years, they will never see this peace. Never. They will never see it. They will probably die before the Messiah actually begins his ministry 30 years later, and walks around and tells everyone about the peace that they might have 
if they follow Jesus. They will never see it. Here's the interesting thing that I realize is, you know what? A lot of us may never see the fullness of peace in our lives. We may die before then, but there is still that peace that we can proclaim. We can proclaim this peace that says Jesus has come to bring peace, to bring healing, to bring salvation, to bring blessing, not just to us, but to the world in which we live in. It's a future that they wouldn't want to see. Now, I don't know about you. And those of you you don't have kids, I uh, apologize for this in a sense. Uh, one of the things that I'm afraid of is that I will not live to see all five of my children get married, let alone see their grandchildren. And I don't know if that's an irrational fear. Maybe somebody else can empathize with me. I, I hope I'm not the only one. Maybe I am. But I am, I am really afraid of that. And we were in process group on Thursday, and because we were talking about uh, certain things. I don't know if I can share this part. Um, I'll share what David, uh, what Jared was saying. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but we're sitting there talking about, I wasn't going to do it, I promise. Uh, we're talking about moms and dads, and I, and I started to cry. I don't know if anybody saw it. Um, and I held it back because, you know, men don't cry in men groups. Uh, because I'm thinking, God, I would be so, I, I, I mean, I know I'll be dead. But I think I, I'm heartbroken right now by the fact that I might not see my children getting married or them having children. I mean, I'm, I'm asking God almost like on a daily basis, God, give me at least another 30 years. By then, Tim should finally be married. It's going to be great. <laughs> He's not here. <laughs> should I, I hope he doesn't listen to this. He might be offended, right? <laughs> Peace. I, I, but that's, that's what the shepherds were experiencing. The angels have told us that peace is coming. But we're not going to see it. But we don't care because we know that it's here. And the invasion has begun. God is alive. God is doing something. And we're going to see that peace. What is peace? It's, it's words. They proclaim. They, they went around and said, dude. Well, they didn't say dudes. They said, people, the child, the Messiah, the Christ is born. Peace is coming. We proclaim those words. We say Jesus is here. Jesus is alive. And we share that with people that they might know the same peace that we have. Jesus is actually a, 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 someone that we can, we can shout about. We can scream about. We can say, this is awesome. I'm not saying stand on a street corner because that's not really going to do much. Shouting Jesus lives, Jesus survives, or whatever that people shout these days. But it's a matter of just saying Jesus lives and proclaiming it in your words to your children, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to people that you meet when you have the opportunity to be able to share that. It's our lives. We proclaim peace with our lives when we go out and we help people in our community who are hurting and who are desperate. There's so many people in our church who are now actually actively involved in fighting human trafficking, saying this is the gospel of peace. It is setting people free from being trapped in an industry that does nothing but chews them up and spits them out until they're dead and nobody cares. That is our lives. It's, it's peace in our community. It is us being involved in the lives of our neighbors and people who surround us, even at work, and sharing the Prince of Peace with them. It is more than just me and God. Think about it. When you read John 3.16 and you read, For God so loved the world, one of the things that I used to teach is put your name in there. For God so loved Derek. That Jesus came just for him, that he might not perish, but have everlasting life. And when I look at it like that, I think the gospel is about me. 
But God doesn't see that. God does not see that the gospel is about me and God. He sees it about me and the world in which I live in. So John 3, 16, when it says, For God so loved the world, each and every one of us here has been loved by God. And it's not just me, but it's everybody. It's not just those who are here. It's those who are out there. That is why Jesus came. So when the angel says peace, he's not saying, dudes, it's just you, man. Me and you right here. Focus with me. Just me and you. No, he says, me and you and everybody else. That's the peace that he seeks to bring. It's the peace that we want as to how things ought to be. How ought this to be? Our words, our lives, expressing who Jesus is, expressing this peace that removes conflict but brings blessing, where people can live in a paradise, which we say, you know what? It's not going to happen. There's no way. Look at the world that we live in. Makes sense. But it will happen, and it will happen in time. And though Jesus invaded our world to show us peace, he now asks us to invade our world to show the world what peace is like and how they can experience it. Now, after all of that, realizing what peace is, peace is what? Peace is the way it ought to be. Peace is something that God brings and then desires for us to proclaim. How do we respond to this message? I just want to give one thing. It's simple. It's not an action per se. It's a lifestyle. How can I get this peace? How can I proclaim this peace? Follow Jesus. Why? Because peace is more than an idea. Peace is more than an ideal. Peace is a person. Peace is a person. When I was pursuing my wife, I wasn't pursuing a woman, though I was. I was pursuing a person. I was pursuing my wife, that we would get married. Jesus doesn't call us to peace to follow a church, like, hey, go to church, it'll be good. No, Jesus doesn't call us to go to church. He doesn't call us to moral lifestyles and, and righteousness and all that. What he calls us to is himself, and the expression therein is found in going to church, a moral lifestyle, and all the other things that fall into place. If you want to experience peace, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. That salvation that you may or may not have experienced comes when you follow Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you follow Jesus to the cross, and where he died, we die. And where he was buried, we are buried. And where he is raised, we are raised. And when he is ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, we too have been raised with him. We are following a person if we want this peace. And when that peace comes, it is a presence. It is a person. It is someone being with you. Someone who will never leave you. Someone who will never forsake you. Micah chapter 5 says, he is our peace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 says, he is our peace. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, he is the prince of peace. Do you want to experience peace this Christmas? In the midst of everything that's going on in your lives? Your circumstances, your fears, 
your failures, your family, your finances, your future for college, where you're going to go, ACTs, all these. Do you want this peace? The call is to follow Jesus. Circumstances may not change. Fears may always be there. Failures, they've already happened. And many more are to come. Finances, unless you're balling, there's going to be a lot of troubles financially. And then when you have kids who go to college, even more so. Health issues, we'll all have health issues. Uh, my family tells me I am deaf. Okay, I have to turn things down just like my dad used to in order to hear. I tell people they mumble. The truth is probably they're not mumbling. I just can't hear as well. My hearing, my hearing is going. I can't see people as well. Jared's walking down the hall earlier. I, okay, who, it's, it's blurry. It's not the same. Health will fail. Things will happen. We will die. I'm reading all these family books. I don't know why I'm reading all these family books. I'm reading all these family books. It's talking about my, I lost my father at this age. I lost my father. At, that's not really helping my fears. But I can have peace as I follow Jesus, as I walk with him. Because it's not about me getting something. It's about me being with someone. Makes a huge difference. Jesus didn't come to establish some religion in order to say, hey guys, here's this religious formula that you can follow and no peace. You know what the truth is? What you probably all know is we have followed that religious formula and we still don't have peace. Because we haven't met the Prince of Peace in the midst of our formula. It's a person. Peace is a person. What these angels have proclaimed is a person. What the shepherds have seen is a person. And the call for us today is, Jesus, you are a person. Help me to follow you. That as I meet you as Prince of Peace, I may experience things as the way they ought to be. And what is that? We ought to be in relationship with God. Continually, unconditionally, and permanently. Let's pray. I'd just like to give us a few moments just to kind of listen. If God has said something to your heart or to your mind or to your life, that you would just listen. What is God speaking to you about? He's inviting you to know him as a person. Inviting you to invite him in your circumstances, into your marriage, into your family, into your fears, your failures, your future, into everything. That you might walk with him, walk in his presence, and know his peace, his son, as well as the experience of it. So before the worship team starts, I just wanted to give us a few minutes before I would close us in prayer for that. Hi, 
You are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. 